Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. It is great to have you guys here with us. Today is going to be a bit of a rock'em sock'em show because we are going to cover a lot that's going on right now. One of those things is obviously checking in on Ohio derailment. And we have a caller calling in from Ohio who's done a lot of research. So I'm going to bring him on in a minute, Corey. We're also going to discuss what's going on in Arizona on election fraud. When I say this is going to blow your mind, I'm really not kidding. And I think I'm going to play it straight through. It's a 45-minute hearing in front of a joint committee. You listened last week to one of the gentlemen at the end of that eight-hour session. This is the first person who testified. Her name is Jacqueline Breger, and she's a brilliant mind. She works with John Thaler, who's the attorney, and they have identified intricate evidence to corroborate election fraud and interference as it integrates with, ready for it, money laundering from the sale of drugs and people. The cartel's involvement in money laundering with human trafficking, which we know and we've covered this for years, the cost of human trafficking and the funding of human trafficking and the revenue generated by human trafficking is an enormous industry that human trafficking can be in the form of in terms of labor, cheap labor, under the table, not paying taxes, et cetera, et cetera, migrant workers, whatever, and sexual labor. So when you add all of that up, the the massive magnitude of what we're talking about across the country is literally being exposed through what happened in Arizona in this eight-hour hearing. Last week, I posted it. Today, we're going to play the first segment. I want to get to it right now. In the last segment, at about quarter of, I have Keith Hansen calling in, who's a friend of mine who's been on air for years, from CPAC to give us an update on CPAC and what's going on. There's been a big focus on J6. And as you know, the Patriot Freedom Project is something I'm involved with, and I'm very passionate that we deal with the lack of um, humanity around how these people are being mistreated and unlawfully detained, unconstitutionally detained. So we're going to deal with that in the last segment. So to start with, I want to go ahead and give us Jacqueline Breger. This is we're cutting in right at the beginning after she's kind of given her opening and hellos, and then we'll take it to about eight minutes. Here you go. A little bit about myself. I do have a master's degree in marketing, honors degrees in financial accounting, business statistics, um, economics, and business strategy. So um, I've been a resident of Scottsdale, Arizona, since 1997, and I own the Feinbreger Insurance Agency, which is a farmer's insurance agency in the Valley. Since 2019, I've been a principal investigator with the Harris Thaler Law Firm. Um, We have been investigating multiple multi-state racketeering and corruption. John Harris Thaler is our senior attorney, and he is in charge of this investigation. 
Mr. Thaler has been practicing law for 32 years. His firm specializes in investigating racketeering and corruption for both the public and the private sector, and he has participated in some of the largest investigations, both in the US and abroad. But with respect to the current matter at, at hand, in 2006, the US Attorney's Office in Illinois, Idaho, and Indiana investigated the laundering of drug cartel monies through a complex series of single-family home purchases in those particular states. By 2009, numerous real estate agents, escrow companies, and title insurers, insurers had been indicted, charged, and convicted of racketeering. And in 2014, our office was asked to review the case file. The reason for this was whether we, was, was we were asked to determine whether monies from the sale of the properties had filtered to properties purchased in Arizona, specifically in the Maricopa and Pima County. We concluded that several real estate agents convicted in Iowa had set up laundering systems in Arizona, and thereafter had transferred the proceeds of sales to the Panamanian corporations. In 2018, Mr. Thaler discovered, incidental to a completely independent matter, a series of trustees evidencing that cash laundered through single-family residences in Arizona was pervasive and ongoing. With that, a new investigation began, with the focus being on money laundered and related racketeering activities in Maricopa County, and as, as well as in several other Arizona counties. We are currently represent several parties directly damaged by these racketeering activities. The investigation originally focused on fake notarizations, fake deeds of trust, fraudulent buyers and or sellers of the real property transactions, as well as other companies used in real estate transactions, such as real estate brokers, mortgage companies, title and escrow companies, real estate inspection companies, service companies, and so on. Over 120,000 documents have been reviewed to date. So what you're listening to is Jacqueline Breger. What she's saying is a massive industry of money laundering, racketeering, and activities that are filtering illegal money have infiltrated the real estate and finance markets. That money, it gets worse, so stay tuned. That money is being used, wait for it, to bribe elected officials, appointed officials, and their support staff. Thus, the integration and impact into elections. you got to have the right people who are willing to be bribed. Here you go. These documents have definitely evidenced multiple racketeering enterprises, which include narcotic sales, money laundering, tax evasion, payroll theft, bankruptcy fraud, life insurance fraud, auto insurance fraud, bribing of elected and appointed officials, creating and modifying public record, falsifying professional licenses and related credentials, swatting individuals who pose a threat to these enterprises, and last but not least, election fraud. I walked in and heard briefly that you spoke about a compromised computer system. 
Well, that is something we will be addressing, I will be addressing in quite some detail. I'm going to share with you that which we've uncovered, how we uncovered it, and the conclusions drawn therefrom. I'll also share with you how the racketeering enterprises inextricably are intertwined with election fraud. It is important to note okay, that our office has been limited in resources and in terms of authority, okay, such as subpoena power. As a result, the conclusions that I'm bringing here to you um, that we've reached to date are just the tip of the iceberg. As a result, okay, our office stands to ready to work with any of the relevant enforcement agencies. Our, primary, our primary findings were first reported to Governor Ducey in 2022. Furthermore, Thaler has met with attorney generals in five states, the FBI, the IRS, the US bankruptcy trustee, and with several US attorney's uh, offices. Currently, there are active and ongoing investigations in federal and state jurisdictions, and both California and New Mexico have already used our report and, <coughs> sorry, and taken some corrective action. The final report will, be inclu will include the election fraud and will be complete completed and published as a book entitled Report to the Governor. This is going to be a book of 300 pages with approximately 3,000 attachments. Excerpts from this book and other, uh, other necessary documentation will be available on reporttothegovernor.com after this presentation. Our report contains 47 separate filings. I have provided you with a packet, and I do apologize that I failed to my, my assistant failed to number the pages, but in pages 11 to 14 show you those, detail those 47 findings that we have in our report. I am gonna just mention a few of those that are very pertinent to this committee. As I mentioned, beginning in Illinois, Idaho, and Iowa, in the early 80s, cash earned or otherwise collected in the sale of illegal narcotics and human tra trafficking activities conducted by the Sinaloan cartel had been laundered through the purchase of single family residences. Laundering of this cartel money in Arizona through purchase and sale of the single family residence began in and about 1994 and focused on new construction, particularly in Santan Valley, Litchfield Park, Goodyear, and Avondale. Cartel monies mostly came from illicit narcotic sales, which include crystal meth, <coughs> meth, cocaine, heroin, and fentanyl, as well as human trafficking. In addition to purchase and sales of single-family residents, cash is laundered through inflated and falsified construction invoices, falsified charitable donations, tuitions paid on fake students allegedly, attempting private, allegedly attending private trade schools, and falsified bankruptcies. Wells Fargo bank bankers in Arizona and in multiple additional states have engaged in opening, checking, and direct deposits uh, accounts for, 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 for um, phantom people. Resources, including city government officials and agencies in Mesa, Arizona has also been integral in the laundering activities. Since 2010, money laundering has exceeded $7.5 billion. In Arizona, laundered cash is used in part to bribe elected and appointed public officials and their support staff. 
the principal preparers of the documents necessary to effect the racketeering enterprise are Donna Ray Chavitz, a resident of Mesa, and her daughter, Brittany Ray Chavitz. To date, more than 10,000 falsified documents have been recorded with the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. We estimate that more than 35,000 warranty deeds and trust deeds evidencing fraudulent transactions exist in the database. The number of falsified notarizations exceeds over 15,000. Donna and Brittany participate in racketeering activities, which also include facilitating the bribes to the public officials, tax evasion, payroll theft, bankruptcy fraud, insurance fraud, and extortion. The city of Mesa is a racketeering organization, as that term is defined in 18 U.S.C. section 1961. Okay, so Mesa is a racketeering, essentially, institution. This is shocking. So now we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to have some comments from my dear old dad, Walter T. Charlton, who is an attorney, federal attorney, admitted to the Supreme Court, who has a RICO racketeering case going on, as you know, if you've been listening, right now and the similarities and the and the cross i'll say pollination of these activities across the united states is more than evident we'll hear it when we get right back from the break this is jen inviting you to follow us on several different social media platforms first of all our new the jen charlton show rumble channel that's the jen charlton show on rumble please follow us there and share from there and let other people know about the channel so we can build our audience there also wherever you get your podcast make sure to rate us five star rating like us because you do and share it with all your friends so that other people can have access to this important information and also remember to download the wfmd app it's there for you to listen to us every saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m eastern standard time wherever you are on this great globe we look forward to having you with us next saturday morning at 9 a.m right here on wfmd Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. It's great to be here with my father to expound on what's going on because this is happening as we speak, guys. And as much as people want to ignore that election fraud happened, we are going to keep beating that drum. And they can call me an election denier. I call them a truth denier. So we can just go back and forth on that. In the meantime, Dad... How would you say this impacts what you're doing and where are we today and where are we going moving forward? You've got a couple minutes. Yeah. Okay. I'll try to be brief. Um, The lady in the black dress was a lady we just heard. Jacqueline Bregger from Arizona. Right. She turned in a 98 page written report that is also going to be posted on your website. We have a RICO case that's been filed. And our RICO case concentrates on everything but what Jacqueline has been talking about. But our case has recently discovered money laundering across all 50 states, not based on what Jacqueline was talking about, but 
based upon donations of all things. They have been analyzed. They've been analyzed for Maryland. Uh, we are... Well, and let me inter- interject this. And the money has to come from somewhere. So if it's coming from illegal actions and they're filtering it into the election process through NGOs or whatever, there you have this this influx of money. Yes, but... And and all of that is subject to analysis. But what we have found with our very skillful set of of uh, data miners is ter- terrific in consistencies and anomalies in these donations, of which a the pattern is consistent all the way across the country, and we are in the process of of addressing this with the courts as we speak. So I have a quick question. Do you have evidence of real estate issues here in Maryland that may be similar to what they're doing there where they're they're falsifying documents and and money laundering through mortgages, et cetera? I can't say whether we do or not. What the way I view it is we have 50% of the problem we're talking about and this other stuff that you just heard about is the other 50 percent we this thunderstruck me in its magnitude integrity and and so forth but where you have a rico organization you can bet that it leaks and seeps from one point to the other all the way across the country the only question is the magnitude of it so I, I really can't speak to that problem. But we do know the RICO situation exists. We knew we know that our plaintiffs have standing to sue. And the evidence is astounding and cumulative, and it just keeps on going. Every time we get ready to file something with the court, something new happens. We say, oh, we want to put that in, too. Well... The whole the whole situation is totally mind-boggling from a legal viewpoint, from an integrity viewpoint, and most any other way you want to look at it. So when you look at Maryland, let's call it the Delmarva area, and particularly because in the states where we believe there was rampant election fraud, one might conclude that there is similar activity going on. We know it happened in Arizona. Perhaps it's happening in Pennsylvania. How about, you know, Wisconsin, et cetera? Are you working across the country with other people in those states to tie this stuff together in a RICO case? Yes, many other people. But more than that, the data is consistent throughout everything. Consistent the- how? Say say again. How is it consistent, specifically? The pattern is the, is the same. For example, we have a, a certain individuals in Maryland who have donated 35,000 times over the last two elections. Well, that's a bit strange. I mean, what do they do? Nothing but donate all day long, all well, night? Well, and that also questions whether or not they've exceeded the election uh, uh, statutory limits right. correct so 
in any event, uh, it all goes together. And the more we find out, the more it goes together. We have got a real, real powerful RICO organization everywhere. Maybe two or three of them that all are linked. So thank you for coming in and, and sharing and giving people an update. Because I think it's important for us to realize we have to not be an ostrich in the sand. We literally have to take our head out of the sand, look around, and deal with reality as it is. And everybody, we're going to take a quick break for news and weather. When we come back, I'm going to have a gentleman, Corey from Ohio, who's going to share information that he's uh, dug up from the Ohio derailment that could impact water supplies in a far-reaching magnitude. And remember to go to Rumble. I've got that uh, promo running right now. But also follow us on WFMD.com. Go to our page and share our show to others so that you're getting this information out there. Because the more people understand that the truth is different than what mainstream media wants you to believe... And I think that's starting to become more and more apparent that they have been a part of the corruption. And that's a shocking and very unsettling reality. But it is a reality nonetheless. So we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is right here on WFMD. Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. Boy, we are having a rock'em sock'em show. So the next guest I have on is Ohio Corey Donham. And I met Corey at the hearing that Senator Doug Mastriano held in western Pennsylvania. And they had people from Ohio there. I mean, it was heart-wrenching to hear the stories of what these poor people are enduring. The worry for their children, their pets are dying their livestock is at risk. The dog kennel that had, I don't know, 30, 40 dogs, you know, they, all the dogs were getting sick that they were caring for. I mean, it, it's it's just shocking that the stupidity of Norfolk Southern and their MIA executives who don't show up for the hearings, they don't have the, they don't have the courage and the cojones to show up to a hearing and look these poor people in the eyeballs And deal with what they've got to deal with. Now, why is that person a CEO of Southern Norfolk, who, by the way, gets billions of dollars, let me remind you, from BlackRock and Vanguard, who is, oh, by the way, tied to China. Now, we all need to start dealing with reality and the magnitude and severity of the situation. The chemicals that they put off are shocking. So I want to bring on Corey right now to talk about briefly what he knows because he's an environmental activist who's really taken an interest in this. Good morning, Corey. Hey, Jen. How you doing? Great. Thank you so much for being available this morning to share it for a few minutes. First of all, can you remind people of the chemical composition of what has been put in the air, water, soil, and the lungs and lives of people in the impacted area? Oh, yeah. I think the two things to really focus on here with that would definitely have to be the vinyl chloride. Uh, specifically because when it attaches to water and it seeps down into the groundwater system, it can come back up as a phosphine gas over weeks, days, months, years later, up to 40 years even, according to experts I've talked to. 
And then also uh, the dioxins that were created when they decided to light these chemicals on fire that traveled as far as Canada and as far as Virginia, according to reports. Well, and I want to remind people, I have asthma. I was definitely feeling it about, I don't know, a week to 10 days afterward. It was definitely affecting me. I don't know if it had, look, air air blows. (laughs) Air travels east. So I'm certain it it hit us. A friend of mine has COPD. She she was deeply affected, was really struggling to breathe. So we know it hit Maryland. We know it hit Virginia. There's, you know, that's, that's, you know, accepted reality. So let's talk about what you've learned about the cleanup, because you said to me in our conversation that they haven't done some sort of a treatment to the water system and the waterbeds, the creeks and rivers. What is that? Yeah, so normally uh, the first thing that you should do is call containment, which they did not do in any instance in this situation. They were worried about getting the tracks put up and, and, uh, and the trains running again because that's money for them. It's a culture of profit over safety for them. Because normally what you do in this situation where you have chemical spill is that on these creeks, uh, lakes, riverbeds, you would have what's called a, uh, a like, like a sock, like a chemical cleanup sock that would soak up the contamination. And then you would place another one maybe like, let's say, 10 feet down from that. And then you keep doing that until, until you get to a sock that has no chemicals that it's soaking up anymore. Uh, that way you know all the contamination isn't just going to the bottom of these lakes, river streams, or riverbeds, and the fish ain't eating it, and then it's circulating through the river, uh, you know, the rest of the ecosystem. Very interesting. So they have chosen not to do that very logical, very effective process? Exactly, yes. And um, on my social media uh, for the podcast that I run, Grandma's Front Porch, uh, there's a Facebook group that we have. Uh, I've been sharing images of, like, uh, some of the rocks, lakes, streams, riverbeds. Um, just last night, even, I got word that their containment, that they uh, – see, they had a part of this uh, of these rivers blocked off even because they know they're contaminated. Uh, and because of the rainfall that we've had, uh, those have even been breached. So you're talking contamination just flooding over into the streets of these people's homes even. The irresponsible and I would say criminal potential activity of Norfolk Southern and perhaps some of the federal agencies in their responses, including the EPA, who says they care about the environment. Shame on you, EPA. Shame on you. You heard it here. Environmental Protection Agency not where are they in making sure that this contamination is being mitigated and remediated if i sell a house with lead do you know i can't sell that house until that lead paint or that asbestos is remediated how dare they not take care of this for these people and frankly for the entire country as i said to senator mastriano in a text i said This is a national crisis. This isn't an Ohio problem. It isn't an Ohio PA problem. It is a national crisis. We've also learned, and I think you shared with me, that they haven't created the walls of the containers thick enough to meet standards that are required in Canada to ensure they don't puncture and leak. Can you share briefly about that? 
Oh, yeah. What you're referring to is DOT-111 cars. There was an incident in Canada uh, uh, back, I believe it was 2015, to where a train car uh, caught on fire. And because of the air brake system, uh, the guy was coming up on a hill. He ended up stopping on the hill. This train actually, uh, because the dispatch told him to go sleep it off in a hotel, mind you, it was only him in there, only a conductor for some reason, which is a federal regulation that they broke. And they decided to allow, allow him to leave the train. Well, that damaged the air brake system, um, and it caused the train to roll down into the next nearest town, derail, and it was carrying 100,000 uh, gallons of petroleum, and it exploded in, in, in downtown of this town. It burned it to the ground and immediately killed 47 people. Those same train cars or DOT 111s, which were also used in this incident that also caused uh, them to puncture and spill. Um, you know, why do we still use those if they're outlawed in Canada because of that incident that killed 47 people? It's a good question to ask our, our regulators and our government, I feel like. Well, absolutely. So last thing I want to wrap up with you, and I really appreciate you giving us this. Talk about the water fur and the the wells that you've been investigating and, and the impact that could reach us through the water uh, table. Oh, yeah. So what's interesting is um, if you go to the Department of uh, Ohio's agriculture website, there's a well database in there. See, back in the day, we used to have, um, you know, in the 18th century, there were steam engine locomotives. A lot of towns had water towers in them. A lot of towns have tore down the water towers, but they kept the system to pump the water up through the water tower. It's, 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 it's essentially a well. Well, what ended up happening is that with their uh, remedial action plan from Arcadis, which is the third party that EPA hires, they reference, and I quote, this is directly from their document, wells located between the two active tracks should be avoided whenever possible. Collection of data from these locations involves substantial risks of little additional value relative to the wells outside of the immediate track footprint. Now, if you had four wells... Hold on, let me, let me clarify. Them, Hold on, point of clarification. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that referencing this particular train incident in East Palestine? Yes, correct, yes. Okay, and, so these know, are wells in East Palestine that are related to mm -hmm. where that track is, and they're basically telling the people to stand down and don't investigate those wells. Did I get that right? Yes, correct. And I believe they don't want to test those wells because who owns the land in between uh, the tracks? Because 10 to 15 feet on either side has to be legally owned by the railroad for a right-of-way maintenance way. Abraham Lincoln helped pass uh, legislation on that uh, back during the Civil War, right, uh, with the Transcontinental Railway. They know those wells are underneath there, you know. Um, I, I don't understand why they wouldn't want to test them, especially if it's directly – four of them are directly underneath the derailment site, and they're only 25 to 55 feet deep. CDC's recommendation is over 100 feet deep. Some of these wells aren't even sealed. Some of them don't even have a contaminant barrier to protect against contaminants. Okay, so uh, back again. Aren't just sitting in there. Hold on. Where is the EPA? Yeah. Where is the EPA uh, – following through on what the yeah. cdc says i mean these federal agencies are a mess yeah it's a mess yeah, there's, there's, i mean don't get me started on the no... cdc and all of covid because we know that they're corrupt so mm -hmm. so when you look at cdc epa these people have not been investigating the very wells that are related to the exact ground zero area of this derailment and where the chemicals were burned and and thus put into the air, water, and soil. It's a it's a criminal negligence at least. 
And I'm not yeah. an attorney, yeah. but I'm stating it here. That's ridiculous. Uh, so now let's uh, go back to let's go back mm-hmm. to you also said that there are more than two wells. How many wells are there in the affected area that they have not been that they've been ignoring and not testing? Well, there's four that I found directly underneath the derailment site, and then there's two of those wells, uh, you know, out of the six that I've mentioned to you there, that are about 10 to 20 feet away from those four wells. So still within the affected area, in my opinion. What's important is that these wells are connected to a water aquifer system that stretches all the way from PA through Ohio and goes all the way down to Kansas. That's a massive effective area. Let's let that sink in. Now, what about the eastern seaboard? Doesn't it also run toward, does it run toward the Mississippi? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. This connects to lots of underground streams, lakes, and everything else. When you look at the maps on the Ohio Department of Agriculture's website, and then you correspond that with uh, the other states' maps, you really gain the gravity of this situation. Like, for example... Uh, Deer Park is in PA, right? They That's where they source their water from. I mean, that same aquifer system I'm referring to, they also gather for, for Deer Park. Deer Park's a huge water manufacturer. Um, you know, and not that's to mention... We're going to reach out to some of these organizations and look at what are they mm-hmm. doing to mitigate and ensure and remediate these chemicals from impacting our entire population east of the Mississippi. Listen, Corey, I thank you so much for your time, your your attention, and your passionate commitment to helping the people, not only in Ohio, Pennsylvania, but all the way down to Kansas and here on the eastern seaboard to make sure that we are safe and living a life of prosperity and peace. This is directly impacting us, and shame on the people who are leading the efforts on this. And don't get me started on Secretary Buttigieg. Mr. MIA. Oh, yeah. Okay? So, everybody, you're listening to The Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Keith Hansen from CPAC. This is Jen inviting you to follow us on several different social media platforms. First of all, our new The Jen Charlton Show Rumble channel. That's The Jen Charlton Show on Rumble. Please follow us there and share from there and let other people know about the channel so we can build our audience there. Also, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to rate us, five-star rating, like us, because you do, and share it with all your friends so that other people can have access to this important information. And also remember to download the WFMD app. It's there for you to listen to us every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, wherever you are on this great globe, right here on WFMD. Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is, and we are today. I'm telling you, I'm going to get calls and dings, and they're probably going to shut down my Facebook and all of that for going after that EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. Where the heck are you? You people are sleeping at the wheel, or as somebody reminded me, you know, this really is the good guys against the bad guys. It's not about Democrats and Republicans anymore, because I know for the few Democrats that might be listening to this show and the independents, you guys, we're told that the Democrats are the ones who support EPA and the EPA is supportive supportive of Democrats. But guess what? Republicans care about the environment. Yes, we do. I love eating crabs out of the bay. And I was just saying off air, you know, the Chesapeake Bay is 
a waterway that has been deeply impacted by manufacturing and a lot of cleanup has been done so that we have good fisheries and so forth. So, you know, I'm passionate about that. So this is not about Democrats and Republicans anymore. This is, are you a good guy or are you a bad guy? Period. Okay, with me coming on from CPAC is Keith Hansen. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, Jen. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I'm great. I'm lit up like a Christmas tree here. But I wanted to just... Yeah, you sound che- like you're you're on your ninth cup of coffee. So. I am, No, only two, <laughs> believe it or not. But, but you know, these issues are so important, <clears throat> and our country is so deeply affected by the stupidity of these leaders. <clears throat> and, and I'm going to call it criminal acts at this point. I think there's a lot to, to evidence that. But tell me about what's been going on at CPAC. You, we've got about uh, eight minutes, but, you know, with J6, and a <clears throat> shout-out to Patriot Freedom Project and uh, my dear friend Cynthia yep. Hughes and those people people and the work they're doing to support the the J6ers and their families. So please support that organization, you guys. What's going on at CPAC? Well, it's uh, you know, CPAC is, uh, what can I say about CPAC? It's the same old, same old. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, uh, you know, uh, we, we've got a group of people here who are sitting around talking about China bad and Biden administration bad and how much it sucks. But you know, there's there's really not a significant call to action. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that people have. Uh, they come here looking to be inspired, and they they I think they really want to see that call to action, and they're not seeing it. I, you know, I, I've been here since, uh, uh, when the hell I got here, Thursday, I don't even know what day it is, um, Thursday, I think it was we got in Wednesday, um, got checked in. And what I have spent most of my time focusing on and listening to and the people I've been talking with have been involved with the J6 movement because the and when I say the movement, um, certainly the, the, the J6 defendants, but then also people who are supporting them and trying to get the word out about the J6 defendants, because it's almost as if and I'm going to go into some speculative territory here, Jen. It's almost as if there's a gag order at CPAC on J6. Uh, Brandon Strock, founder of the Walk Away movement, who is also a, a J6 defendant, was uh, he was, was not invited to be up on stage. He was last year. He confronted uh, Andy Biggs uh, over uh, both Congress and Senate's lack of action, even lack of dialogue when it comes to J6 defendants. Uh, and, you know, this year he wound up having a, a, a two-part, uh, each part was two hours long panel uh, with a, a number of J6 defendants, uh, including Dr. Simone Gold, um, the, the, the founder of America's Frontline Doctors. And the the silence that we're hearing about this, and here's why this is a big deal, okay? A lot of people, first and foremost, don't understand the magnitude of what J6 was about. The people who were there, by and large, were peaceful. Um, and if we, we use the actual Webster's Dictionary definition of the word peaceful, not the Antifa drive-by media definition of the word peaceful in the context of the Summer of Love 2020, well, what you'll find is that the vast majority of these people were simply there. Doors were opened. They went in. There was an air uh, at the Capitol that was described as joyful and jubilant. People were happy to be there. They were not there looking to engage in criminal mischief or malfeasance. They simply wanted to be there and, and to, to, to be a part of history. All right. Take a pause. And, so let me and, say something because I was there. There were also <clears throat> people who were instigators infiltrated in the crowd because I saw them. Yes. And yep. they were saying, let's go in, let's do this, let's do that. That was Antifa. That was BLM. Yes. 
Those were FBI people who were hired out, because I'm going to say they were colluding with the bad guys. Yes. No, there's, there's, there's no question about it. But the point being is that you have a lot of people right now who are facing, I mean, literally decades in prison over the charges that don't even apply to what their actions were. And the issue, it, it, here's the thing. You might not have been, I'm not talking about you, Jen, but I'm saying with your listeners. Your listeners may on the grounds. They, have, may, they may not be caught up in that investigation, but here's the thing. What it does is it shows how dangerous weaponized government is. And what people don't understand is the campaign to cancel these people. These people now can't fly anymore. They can't use uh, their credit cards anymore. A lot of them, their, their home loans have been pulled in. Uh, their banks have shut them down. They're not allowed to bank with their banking institutions. Their credit cards have been canceled, so on and so forth. And so, you know, there is, first of all, the banks and the social media. The, the, the financial sector of this country is becoming an, an additional arm of the court of public opinion. It's the enforcement arm of the court of public opinion. And this is where it gets dangerous. Well, hold on. You missed something. Let me me say something, Keith, on that note. The integration of financial institutions was instrumental in what I just spoke about with the uh, election fraud and interference and what's going on in Arizona and across the country. So for my listeners, I know you didn't have a chance to hear that. This financial institution good guys and bad guys and wells fargo is mentioned in the arizona hearing so when you look at these these financial institutions some of them are corrupt so no, the vast majority of them are corrupt because they're in bed with the government because they report to the government on things that you do um and this is one of the reasons why you have businesses that are being canceled because they are selling firearms and ammunition and firearms training but but that's not the point the bigger point here is that people need to understand that a weaponized government is dangerous and that's exactly what this administration is doing it is weaponizing its efforts against political opposition and this is so dangerous we are we we, we live in the united states of america we have natural, inherent, God-given rights, one of which is the freedom of speech. But if you dare to speak out against this evil, satanic cabal in Washington, D.C., then you run the risk of being charged with something. And and we're seeing this with J6 defendants, people who are being charged with felonies. And when you look at what they did, they were simply present. They were simply present in a location where they were complying with with individuals. The doors opened. You had you had Capitol police officers that were saying, "Come on in." The doors are open. They were inside the rotunda. They were they were respectful. And then when the police officers asked them to leave, they you know obviously it took some time because there were I mean thousands of people inside the building. They were trying to leave the building in an orderly fashion. Nothing was destroyed. These people are finding themselves being offered plea deals, you know, to 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 felonies. And I mean, what do you do? I, I, there's 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 no negotiation with the Department of Justice. The, the, the Department of Justice is absolutely on a, a witch hunt for these people. And here's the thing. A lot of people showed up at Washington, D.C. and just got caught up in happenstance. I just happened to be there. And so the scary thing is, what is going to be the next J6 event? CPAC, we could all be unwitting participants in the next J6 if, God forbid, something bad happens. Well, listen, they, we hold on. They tried to say the business end. They hold on. Let me go, get in on that. They tried to say MAGA's bad. We're dangerous. <clears throat> we're, we're, we're a threat well, it, uh, to of, public of safety. Of, of course. Resident we, we, Biden we are, said that. Well, we are a threat. 
Okay, the the conservative right is a threat to a radical communist agenda. You're damn right it is. We are absolutely a threat to a radical communist agenda. I mean, we reject that notion because oh, we're not we're not a threat, right? But when when you're part of this satanic cabal in Washington, and you look at people who respect the Constitution, who love God, who put God and family and country above all else, and certainly aren't about to say uh, to to to, uh, to on bended knee pay homage to a, a, a cabal of globalists. No, you're damn right we are a threat to them. I'll be the first one to say it. I'll say it on your radio show, Jen. I am a threat to a communist. I think you just did. it will never happen did. on my soil on my watch. <laughs> you just did. You heard it here. Telling it like it is. I'm just saying. So, listen. We know that we are in a war undeclared. Until such time, and I'm going to close the show with this, until such time as we the people, left, right, and center, who are good people, not the bad guys, good people, come together and say, that's it, we are at war right now against the communist globalist takeover and takedown of this country. We are still going to be at the effect of whatever they do to us. And we will not save this country. And we are on the precipice of losing it. One thing I want to say to to your listeners, and and we're often the conservatives or, I mean, even just, you know, family-loving, God-fearing American patriots, we're often referred to as the, the silent majority. It is about time that people find their voice, find a backbone, and get loud. It is time to be known as the loud majority. These people who you hear and, and the, the, the leftists and the mouthpiece of the left, whether it's on social media, whether it's on the drive-by media, anything like that, you got to remember, it, it, it is, a, it is a, a Linsky tactic to be loud and to be as omnipresent as possible. And intimidate. Intimidate. They want the us to be intimidated. <clears throat> well, they, they want to create the illusion that they are the majority. They are not the majority. Correct. They're just loud. Listen, we I, have to get loud. And, and listen, on that out. note, we're going to get loud and we're going to get off air. But I thank you so much, Keith. Keith Hansen from CPAC. I'm going to see you down there a little bit later. I'm going in as media, so hopefully I'll get some interviews for you guys. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. Be sure to share this on podcast and download it. Rate us. Give us a five-star And let's get the word out there because we are covering information that you will not hear other places. I'm willing to take my airtime to play an Arizona hearing that I think you need to hear. All of the URLs will be on the web page, so please go check it out. Have a great week.